Well, one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies came from an interaction with a character named Red, who's played by Morgan Freeman and Anthony Dufresne in the movie The Shawshank Redemption. And Shawshank was the prison where Dufresne and Red were sent after their convictions. And there's this conversation that takes place in one of those long lunchroom tables in the prison where Dufresne, who's actually innocent, and Red, who's guilty, talk about hope. And with a sneaky smirk on his face, Dufresne says, you know, there's something on the inside that they can't touch. What are you talking about, Red responded? Hope. And skeptically, Red replied, hope. Oh, hope's a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Hope. You know, whether you're falsely imprisoned because of a crime you didn't commit or you are self-imprisoned because of a worldwide pandemic, we could all use a little hope right now. You know, no matter how bad things get, no matter how overwhelmingly the deck is stacked against us, no matter how steep this curve gets or how much we stand to lose, there's this voice inside of us that whispers, don't give. You know, Easter tells us the story of where that voice comes from. It is the story of hope. Hope given, then lost, but then found again. And many of us are familiar with the Easter story. On Friday, Jesus, who claimed to be God in the flesh, was executed on a cross. His body was laid in a tomb and all hope seemed lost. But just two days later, on Sunday morning, a few of Jesus' followers went to the tomb. They wanted to put some spices on his body. And this two-toned stone was rolled out of the way. They look over and they see an angel who appeared and says, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Then those followers of Jesus went over to tell the rest of the followers of Jesus what happened. And the rest is history. And today, on this Easter morning, we're going to hear the rest of that story. Hope came not just on Easter morning, but later on that evening. And a couple of people who, just like you and I at different points in our stories, were convinced that all hope had been lost. You know, hope's sneaky, isn't it? It can show up in prison cafeterias or makeshift homeschool classrooms on dining room tables. It can show up around dinner tables with slower meals with families in living rooms with squeals of delight of kids under blankets who've made forts. It can show up on FaceTime or Zoom or phone calls with those we love most but can't be with now. Hope often comes when we least expect it. Luke 24 verse 13 says this, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You know, this subtle little story follows the discovery of Jesus' empty tomb. And the couple that was mentioned here, they're actually part of this new heartbroken band of Jesus followers. And these two, along with everyone else, they had cheered as Jesus entered Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. But now, just one week later, as far as they knew, Jesus was dead. The story was over. Hope 
was lost. You know, these two packed up their things to make the long walk on that dusty road to Emmaus, probably to begin a fresh start, even as they grieved what would have been, what could have been, what should have been. I wonder what that walk felt like. I wonder what it feels like to walk down your road today, too. Maybe your patience and resources spread just a little bit thin, pants slightly more snug, a little frazzled, emotionally exhausted. You know, we learn in the next few verses that one of the two people's name is Cleopas. And the Gospel of John actually tells us that one of the women who's at the cross on Good Friday, her name was Mary, the wife of Cleopas. So most biblical scholars actually believe that that's this couple, Cleopas and Mary. Further evidence that this is indeed a married couple, Luke tells us that they were arguing. (laughs) So, you know, probably a married couple, maybe in quarantine. And so there's this stranger that walks up next to them while they're in a tiff. And Luke tells us in verse 16 that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, as readers, we know that this is Jesus, but Mary and Cleopas, they had no idea, probably because they just saw him die. And most people that die have this tendency to stay dead. But after walking with a stranger for a while, eventually a man asks, verse 17, and he said to him, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? Translation, what rock have you been hiding under? Verse 19, and he said to him, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. You know, there are four really significant words here that we have all felt at some point, especially over these past few weeks, but we had hoped. Mary and Cleopas had had hoped that Jesus was going to be the one who was going to rescue Israel from the Roman rule. They didn't even know this stranger that was walking with them, but there was just something about him that made them trust him. So much so that not only did they share the hopes that they had, but also the hopes that they had lost. It can be hard to hope sometimes, can it? Maybe Red was right. After all, hope is a dangerous thing especially after it's been lost. And at the center of Mary and Cleopas' story were those four simple words, but we had hope. And we could all relate to that 
feeling. But we had hoped. We had hoped to be able to go to the beach for spring break, right? But, but we didn't and we couldn't. We had hoped that our kids were going to be able to see their friends before school broke for summer, but that probably ain't going to happen either. We had hoped that our savings, our retirement, or the health of our loved ones wouldn't be threatened or eviscerated because someone ate a bat for lunch in China. It seems like the longer we live, the more we experience hope lost. I wanted to start a family, but we couldn't get pregnant. I wanted to be married for my entire life, but he decided to leave. You know, I had this picture in my mind of what life was going to end up like, but I open my eyes and I look around and it's nothing like I dreamt it was going to be. And we wonder sometimes how it's all going to play out. This, this is when hope matters most. And that's exactly where Mary and Cleopas were. This couple, they were a part of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. And God would uniquely reveal himself to these people. He actually would call them his family. And as a nation, they would belong to God and they would have this special relationship with him. And God would bless them and he would bless other people through them. But God's family didn't live up to their commitment to him. So the Israelites actually lived under the oppression of other nations. First there was Babylon, then there was Assyria, and now the time of Jesus, it was Rome. And that's what Cleopas and Mary meant when they said in verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. See, they thought this was just about Israel, hoping that Jesus would kick out the Roman rulers once and for all, and the Jews, the consummate underdogs, would finally stand in the winner's circle. But of course, that's not the story that God was writing. It's not the plan that he had. And as so often the case, it was so much bigger and so much better. Isn't it funny, you know, we think we know our stories, but we only know it up until a certain point, right? It's only up until today, and it's only what we can actually understand. Our stories are based on what we can see and what we know, but it's only so far. And as for many right now in the middle of April of 2020, things aren't looking so good. But the story's not over. God's plans are bigger and they are so much better. For Mary and Cleopas, hope was all but lost. Jesus came into Jerusalem, but instead of destroying the Romans, he actually surrenders to them. Instead of a coronation for a hero, they witnessed a crucifixion. Instead of being declared a king, Jesus was falsely convicted and he died as a criminal with nothing left. No possessions, no money, and even the tomb that he was buried in was borrowed from someone else. It's no wonder that Mary and Cleopas turned their back on Jerusalem and headed down that dusty road to Emmaus. Not only had their leader Jesus died, but so did their hopes and their dreams, buried in the tomb with Jesus. As they headed home, this incredible thing happens. Jesus shows up and he walks alongside of them right in the middle of their despair. And Jesus begins to share this bigger story, picks up on that in verse 26. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And Jesus hears their story and he literally walks with them. And they thought all hope was lost. But what happens is the camera begins to pan out. And he shares the bigger story. And this is where it gets really good. This is better than toilet paper and a tiger king during a pandemic. There's the story of creation. This is the world and all that God created in just six days. He looks at what he made and he says, that's good. But then there is the fall. Sin enters the story and it messes everything up. It shatters the relationship between man and God and it brings death and pain and separation. And when all hope seemed lost, because God loves you and he loves me, he made a way. And he came to save and redeem our brokenness. Through Jesus' death, we could have life. And in the Spirit, we could live forever. And get this, he chose to walk with us too. Just like Jesus walked with Mary and Cleopas on that road to Emmaus. Smack dab in the middle of our hopelessness. What if what happened on Friday wasn't the end of the story. Verse 26, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? What if all history, what if the whole story, what if our stories of hope, both lost and found, come down to this? One man's death on a cross and an empty tomb. And later on in the story, Luke tells us that Jesus actually breaks bread with Cleopas and Mary. And it's at that point that they discover who their traveling companion is. And their eyes are opened. And the moment that happens, Jesus vanishes. And then we see in verse 32, And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Their eyes, they're opened. And Jesus died so that we could have life. Death was temporary, but the life that he offers is eternal. This wasn't a tragedy. It was God's triumph over sin and guilt and death and hopelessness. And here's what that means for you and I. No matter what road you're walking down, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter what disappointment you're facing, no matter what darkness feels like it's closing in, no matter what you regret right now, or you're afraid of, or doubt you're struggling with, it is not the end of the story. Defeat, death, and despair, they don't get the final word. That same Jesus that was crucified and died, he did not stay dead. He was raised from the dead, and he vindicated all of his claims. And anyone who can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I think is worth putting our hope in. You know, this pandemic, it has peeled back the layers of our comfort. What's left? What can't you afford to lose? That, that's your hope. Do you have anything left to put your hope in? 
You know, the resurrection is actually our reason to hope. The reason for our hope is Jesus. He is our pandemic-proof hope that can never be lost. And at the end of the Shawshank Redemption, spoiler alert, Andy actually escapes from the prison, but what he does is he leaves a letter behind for his friend, Red. And in that letter, this is what Andy concludes. He says, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Perhaps you put your hope in Jesus, but with all that's gone on and is going on, with all that you've lost or stand to lose, you're running low, perhaps, on hope. Hear and be encouraged by David's words in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. And for those who are feeling hopeless or without hope, maybe that's been necessary. Maybe it's been important to feel this way because as you've had things threatened or taken away and you've reached out for something or someone to grab a hold of and you've realized that there is nothing there, the resurrected Jesus is reaching out his hand to you and saying, I've got you. I'm going to use this season of suffering to prove that you need me and you can do this alone. And here's where that begins. Paul said in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And would you pray with me? Father, for those of us who have put our hope in Jesus, whose worlds have been rocked, Thank you for the reminder that our hope has never been in our circumstances, but have always been in a person. And that person is Jesus. And so with the psalmist, despite cast down souls and turmoil, we remember that our hope is in God and we again will choose to praise Him. And for those who today haven't put their hope in Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that moth rust and the coronavirus can't destroy that hope. And for those who have never received Jesus as your hope and Savior, I'd be honored to guide you in this simple prayer. Just pray this with me now. God, I can't do anything to make myself righteous, but I offer you my sin in exchange for your merciful gift of forgiveness. I give you my past. Would you give me the future that you've planned for me to walk out? I trust you to be my forgiver, my redeemer, and my rescuer. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen.